All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, I am truly, truly fangirling. When... I received the message on Instagram when they replied. Yes. Um, we'll tell you who they are in a second. I ran laps around the house. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was living in a daydream. When I tell you that Sean was giggling and giddy with excitement. Yes. I'm not lying. Uh, today we sit down with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach, two legends in their own right and yes. a power couple together. Abby Wambach, I mean, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Literally the goat in soccer. I mean, the greatest. Two Literally known as like the best soccer player of all time. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. She's also a New York Times bestselling author, as is her counterpart. Her wife. Glennon Doyle, uh, who has written books like Love Warrior and Untamed. Yes. We will link the information for that. And Glennon is making a massive name for herself in the untamed world, preaching this um, concept of being untamed and being true to yourself. She is in the reading circles of Oprah and Reese Witherspoon, Kristen Bell. I mean, everybody. She's amazing. That's right. So this was the conversation that I think we put the most thought into. We had the most fun with. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was also the most challenging in a lot of ways. So here's the deal. Glennon's story is this. She was in a traditional marriage, had several kids, divorced, met Abby and married Abby. Yes. And so she has caught uh, a lot of slack from dissenters, but also has gained um, cult-like devotion yes. from others. And 
here's our stance. I think whether you are blindly in love with somebody or disagree adamantly with somebody for whatever the reason, it's important to still be able to have a respectful conversation, yes. um, still be able to be thoughtful, still be able to listen and glean things that you do like and you don't like. And so um, I enjoyed today because I had so much good things to say. And I'll tell you from a father's perspective that I want Drew to be like them in yes. so many different ways. Yes, I it was the greatest conversation of all time. I the loved greatest it. conversation yes. of all time. <laughs> I'm not putting that on myself. I'm putting it on them. Um, I love them. I want to be their new best friends. I just, like you said, especially now being mom to Drew, these are two of the most powerful women in today's world. They are not afraid to be who they are. They stick up for everyone else they have such a strong voice i truly i i love everything they stand for yeah and they are activists they're they yes. they profess to be activists they're known as activists and again no matter if you agree with them on what they're activists about or disagree with them on what they're activists about still listen to the conversation yes. be thoughtful about it and yes. uh and take what you can from it so that's why we're excited to have this conversation with you. We're excited to hear your feedback. If you haven't, please subscribe to the show and rate it. Um, love to hear your criticisms, your praise, whatever it is. Also, today's a big day because yesterday, Abby came out with a children's version of her New York Times bestselling book called Wolfpack. We'll link the information for that down below. But let's go ahead and roll into this one with Glennon and Abby. Glennon and Abby, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to start off here by saying I feel wildly um, underaccomplished compared to you three amazing women. It's just, it's an honor to be sitting in all of your presences, to be honest. So uh, thank you two for joining us, though. Thank you. What an honor for us to be here with you two. We're yeah. excited for this. Totally. Uh, so I don't know if you know this, but we just had a daughter not too long ago, and I look at you three women, and you're exactly what I want Drew to be like with ambition and uh, bravery and all the amazing things you guys have done and you haven't been scared to do it. Um, it's been fun though, coming from a pretty conservative Christian background, my parents, when Sean and I first got married, were like kind of hesitant um, because our arrangement was a little non-traditional in the sense that like my whole life then and now is all about supporting Sean and like her ambitions, which is not you know, the stat, the, the normal conservative Christian background. I'm curious, have, have you guys, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationship. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. Ever uh, anyone ever told you you have like a non-traditional marriage? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you think that? Uh, no. Nobody's ever mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. And I've had both. I mean, I was married to a man. My first marriage was um, a little bit more traditional, I think. Yeah. Um, and quite, you know, conservative Christian also yeah, yeah. through much of, of your, your first marriage. Yeah, I grew up Catholic. We both grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was a real very um, involved in a, I guess, an evangelical church for a very long mm-hmm. time um, and was a Sunday school teacher up until mm-hmm. just about a year ago when I could, when I didn't, wasn't able to do it anymore. But um, yeah, I definitely have also been told <laughs> that our arrangement <laughs> is uh, non-traditional. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's funny because for the most of my career, um, any partner that I have had has in a much ways kind of been that support system that you talk of. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool now to be married to Glennon because we are both independently you know, successful. We, we have our own businesses, but with this Untamed book and the success of that, it's been really beautiful and an amazing experience. I'm sure you guys understand now being new parents, how when you're so focused on yourself and your craft, Sean, I know you understand what this is. It's like, it, it is one of the most selfish endeavors. And then to be taken away outside of that, I retired to focus my energy on our family and Glennon's release of Untamed. Um, it's been beautiful to see it from this perspective. So I have kind of a unique ability and, and perspective that I've been in both positions. Um, but yeah, traditional upbringing. Um, <laughs> I call myself kind of recovering Catholic because you can imagine what it would feel like to be a little gay kid sitting in the pew next to your mom and, and, and your family and wondering um, what abomination means and wondering what all these big words mean that um, essentially my being, my, my humanness meant that I was going to hell. So um, I've been fighting against that quite a bit, but yeah, I, I love the support system. I love being in support and service to somebody else. It's really, I think why I've been put on the earth. Hmm. And it's a beauty. It's, I think for us, it's what I have found works for us is that there's not, I used to, have this idea of, okay, so in every relationship, there's the kite and there's the kite holder, mm-hmm. right? So there's like the one who's just like out there doing the thing and flying high and whatever. And then there's the one who's just like holding them steady, right? And both are equally important and blah, blah, blah. But I actually don't think that that works in the long run, you know, because inevitably the kite holder is going to get sick of being the kite holder. Uh-huh. And the kite is going to need to rest. <laughs> and so I, I love what we have, which is that it's, it's always a back and forth. Like the last year has definitely been, you've been the kite holder. Uh-huh. And then the year before that was Abby's Wolf, Wolfpack book release. And that was, I was the kite holder then. Uh-huh. And I'm sure a year from now, it'll, I, I don't know. I just think it's super important that both people have their time to be the support and that that each has the time to be the supported. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Was that a tease for Abby's next book? Maybe was that you know alternating just years? <laughs> one, of- I guess. One <laughs> so that I could stop being the damn kite. Well, the young edition comes out in October. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yes, yes. Um, something I absolutely love about the couples that we get to interview is, and it was one of like our missions when we started it. Is I got so tired of how people 
put relationships into a box. They say, if you don't do this, and if you don't follow these guidelines, then your marriage or your relationship is going to fail. Mm -hmm. And it's been cool to interview different couples who have gone through some very hard things and tragic things, and they've had affairs or they've had, I mean, there's been all these different stories we've heard where people have said, you know what? I don't care what the world tells me to do now. I'm going to go do my own thing and we're going to make it work. And I think it's just really cool to hear your guys' story. I told Andrew that, I don't know like how I worded it, but it was basically like, what you guys are my favorite, favorite couple in the entire world to follow on social media. <laughs> um, I die over Glenn and you drinking Abby's smoothies and just all these chronicles. It makes my day. Um, but one of my favorite things that you guys do is you, sh you show your relationship to the world. And it seems so quote unquote normal, but yet you're doing your own thing and you're showing so many people in the world that the box that they've defined is completely wrong. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a really powerful thing how you guys are kind of living out your marriage and your own way. And yet it's perfectly right. Is there, is there a lot of resistance that you meet on a day-to-day -day basis? To... In what way? Yes. And, but there's so many areas. <laughs> Give me a, a category of resistance. Um, okay. Well, so I think in, in the, you guys are both, I think in your Instagram bios activists mm -hmm. for a lot of different things. <laughs> Is there a lot of resistance for the things that you are activists for? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am a fierce feminist and LGBTQ um, and anti-racism activist inside of Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, which nobody nobody gives her problems for that. I feel a comfortable place to be, you guys. Everybody agrees. Yeah. Everyone agrees with me. Stuff. Feels good about me in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. But also, you know. There's so much understanding and beauty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that when we are really truly who we are out loud, we're not going to fit in any category. I think that you can be sure that you're not being true to yourself when you do neatly fit inside of a category and when no one's ever, you know, annoyed with you, <laughs> when, yeah. when you're never rocking the boat. Um, and that doesn't have to be in terms of activism. That can be in terms of family. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know that, you know, some of the hardest boxes to break out of are the ones our family puts us in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just to add to that, I think that one of the most important things that we learned early on when Glenn and I first met, um, you know, we actually spoke to a lot of really amazing thinkers, people who, um, were close to us personally and also kind of famous in the world. And one of the things that one woman said to us, she said, you just have to love each other. Cause we were so worried about, um, you know, what, what people would say she has children. I come from this like Christian Catholic background where I've got a whole bunch of shame wrapped up in that. And for us, you know, the reason why we're activists is not to, to change everybody's mind though. That would be great. We don't believe that we can change everybody's mind, but what we try to do is educate people. 
And as it goes in, in any kind of non-traditional relationship, and what we're saying um, is a non-white, a non-straight relationship. Like that's what non-traditional means, you know, anything on the margins. Um, and I think because we are in a gay marriage, we want to just be out loud and show all the things that happen that also happen in every other relationship in mm -hmm. the world, because that for us feels like the great equalizer. And that's like, rather than getting on a soapbox saying, yes, we are gay and we are the same. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, we just show, we just show Glennon stealing my food and, and yeah. my shakes or leaving the, the 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 cabinet doors open and me scaring her like we're just the same as as anybody out there and um and the only way you can sometimes show that is just to to literally sure. let some put somebody into your house well yeah. I, I so <laughs> i do think i think it's so important to kind of just a have conversations, but I think the best way to have a conversation is to find similarities. And Abby, when I look at your Instagram, it's like, <laughs> it's like pretty much parallel to mine where like you're, you're just uh, showing your spouse and all the annoying, fun, cute things that they do. Uh -huh. And so uh -huh. I think that, I think that to your point that there's so much power um, in that I, I interrupted you. Well, no, it's, I was going to say it's the relatability factor. I feel like Again, going back to this box that people try to paint, which never works or it works for some people. But like you said, Glenn, and they're probably not being true to who they are in some fashion or in some way. But mm -hmm. the relatability factor, when people watch you and they're like, oh, yeah, I do that. Mm -hmm. My spouse does that. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my what does that. They start relating to a relationship and a, like a form of love that is truly undeniable. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where it's. There's no argument. And Glenn, yeah. you, you said in your book that um, they don't have to understand me to love me, I think. And I think that that's an important thing. We're like, hey, we all, each of us has so many similarities. We have, we also have plenty of differences, but we don't necessarily have to understand those differences to appreciate, uh, appreciate each other. Um, yeah. I did yeah. feel the, the, dr the drinking the milkshake, Abby, <laughs> felt that in my soul. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> I'll never understand it. And, and just to speak to relativity, because I think that that's a way for people to feel safe. Um, and I know from coming from the family that I'm in, it's like, if you are like us in any way, then like, come on in and we can have a conversation wrapped around that one little thing. Yeah. And I think that that's why Glennon are, and I have such a reach because you know, from the, from what it looks like, I I appear to be more masculine. She appears to be more feminine. But there are certain things that I am so much more feminine than she is about, and vice versa. And so there's this kind of confusion dynamic that's also relevant inside of yeah. pieces of the relativity that people can hold on to. And I think what that shows is that no matter who you are, if you are identify as a man or a woman or anywhere in between, it feels to me like human beings can relate in, 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 in some way, in one way. And like, let, let us look for those relativity points rather than yeah. the, the divisive points. Yeah. Um, and even our family, the way our family runs is so different. You know, we yeah. are people who were taught that divorce is the, the worst thing, that divorce is failure, right? That yeah. what you need to avoid is a broken family. And what a broken family is, is a divorced family. 
And so I stayed in a marriage. We both stayed in marriages for probably far too long mm -hmm. that, um, and what we, what I realized one day was like, oh, wait, am I sure that, that, that the definition the world has given me of a broken family is right? Because mm -hmm. actually I see a lot of my friends out there in marriages where they are slowly dying and their children are not being served and, 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 and they, they seem really broken. And I see mm -hmm. other families. But they're still who, married, right? Yeah, 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 they're still in this original structure. And I see these other mm -hmm. families who have shifted their structure, but they're thriving and they're fully alive and they're held and they're, and so what if the, the definition of a broken family is any family in which a member has to break herself into pieces to fit in, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And a whole family is a family regardless of structure mm. that everybody is held and free and valued and seen and loved. And so our family is different. You know, we have Craig, who is our most important person. Our, our most important person is our, our my ex-husband. Yeah. And we, we just went on a huge va family vacation like it was don't get me started we're in a freaking cabin in the mountain. Okay. And it was, there was there was like like water rafting costumes and like flying through trees like, like it wasn't hard enough to walk you had to fly through trees i, I don't know but um, white water rafting and zip lining. Like, zip lining. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like zip lining. <laughs> this, is how, this is how an artist would explain those experiences. Whatever you want to call it. Uh. Um, but we were with Craig and his girlfriend and her son and our kids. And like, they're just, there are ways um, to do things. There are more beautiful visions of family than what we have in our minds, yeah, mm. you know, and sometimes in order to create the beautiful family we were made for, we have to go outside of what our culture has told us is acceptable. Yeah. I'm like, so it's been brought up a couple of times. I'm curious. I think Abby, you said you're recovering Catholic. What, what is each of your relationship to religion or God? I think maybe more broadly now. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Yeah. Mine's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of touched on it a little bit before. I was born and raised Catholic and 
Um, from a very young age, I realized that I was either going to have to choose God and my mom or myself. Um, and your sexuality. And, or, you know, myself and being who I was as a gay person. Um, and so 17 years old, I decided, okay, this is something I can't deny who I am. So I went, I, I turned towards myself, thank goodness. Um, and so my, my relationship with God at that point, I became a hardcore like atheist. I was like, there is no such thing as God. God is, there is no God. That's basically what I, what I was trying to make true for myself <laughs> in order for me to walk away from God. She right? was furious at the God she did not believe existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Equal rebellion, right? So actually it's one of the things that brought me um, to Glennon is her faith and her her definition of God because can you tell the story about when we were um, mm -hmm. at an event one of your events yeah so we were at an event I speak at a lot of churches a lot of brave churches <laughs> a lot of crazy churches and um, we were we were getting ready to go out to speak and the um, minister we were in the back and you just, it must, the minister must have been really wonderful because you just really opened up. Well, she was, I asked, I said, are you open and affirmative? Right. You always ask that first. Yeah. yeah. So she, well, I would only be speaking at a church that was open. And well, right. I what, right. What, what do you mean by open and affirming, Abby? So you could probably no, say that ahead. open and affirming <laughs> churches that actually recognize gay people, basically. Mm. Right. Is there right. more specifics to that? I mean, I would say that that's not, that it's more complicated than that. So for an open and affirming church to me and in practice is a, is a church that fully affirms gay people. So not just the thing where, that churches do where they say, we welcome everyone. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people that if you want to know where a church stands, you do not look at the pews. Okay. You look at the pulpit. So if you want to know who a church accepts and celebrates you don't ask who they invite you ask who they hire to lead okay because what you will find is many churches say we're open to everyone we welcome everyone um but if you are a woman you are only allowed in the nursery right mm -hmm. if you you will see no people of color on, on the pulpit you will see no disabled people anywhere you will see no um gay people in leadership anywhere so to me the measure of a church is who they hire to lead Right. Um, so to me, like in many churches, you don't see anyone in a pulpit who looks anything like somebody Jesus would have actually been hanging out with. <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah. So um, if I don't see anybody in a church that looks like a ragamuffin, looks like somebody who's pushed to the sides, looks like somebody who's marginalized in our culture, then I know that what we have is not a church. We have a country club. Right. Right. So um, for me, that is extremely important. The, the question I ask all the time before I'm asked to speak at a church is, can you please show me who you have on staff? That's good. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so Sorry. go back to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we're in the back and the minister says, um, well, Abby says, you know, I at a really young age was, was made to choose between God and myself, my deepest self. And I chose myself. And um, the minister said, damn straight. She said something like that. And I was like, huh, that's not exactly it. And, I, and what the conversation we had after, and I think this is the best way that I can describe the difference to me between faith and religion, 
is that what I realized happened with Abby is that when she chose the self that God made her, when she chose her deepest being, right? When she refused to abandon herself to fit inside religion, she was not choosing herself instead of God and church, okay? She was choosing herself and God instead of church, mm-hmm. okay? When she walked away from church in that moment, she was doing that to protect God in her, right? So if I had to define um, what faith is to me, it is an allegiance, an alliance, a um, integration, not with a man-made religion, but with the deepest self, which is God, right? So I would argue that this is what Jesus was saying over and over again when he was saying, I and the Father are one, right? The kingdom of heaven is not out there. It is in here, right? That there is a, a deepest self that is like this little piece of God that's been broken off that is inside each, of, each one of us. And what sometimes I believe is the danger of any fundamentalist religion is that in our, in our, in our, the seeker, the seeker goes to these places, the seeker wants to find God. And in these places often is the place where they are most separated from God because what fundamentalists, any, and not just religion, company, cult, any kind of group needs to do is separate a person from her deepest self, right? In order to gain allegiance to that group. So this is why, and in the beginning of all fundamentalist religions, not just Christianity, what is taught to us in the beginning is that we cannot trust ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And that is the lesson. That mm-hmm. is the heart is wicked. That is the story of Adam and Eve, which is, you know, do not follow your curiosity. Do not f- trust yourself. You will be, I mean, that's particularly misogynist because it's the woman who's the temptress and, and torn away. But I think that, what Abby was taught, which is so sad, and, and I work with so many families who have gay kids um, who come to this crisis point, right, where they have to decide whether they're going to choose their religion or they're going to choose their child, whether they're going to see God more in religion or they're going to see God more in the beingness of their child, right, mm-hmm. um, is that there is a time where we actually believe that religion and God are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they just aren't. And I think that that day in that minister's office, I mean, she literally said all those words to me within four or five minutes. And she's like, okay, I got to go on stage. And I was like, <laughs> sitting there like, holy cow. That She didn't say cow. No, I didn't. <laughs> kind of respect I just feel like it's, it was the most important, one of the most important conversations in my life because I had turned so far away from God that even though I thought I turned towards myself, I also was turning away from myself mm-hmm. when uh, I turned away from this God that I thought was church, right? So that uh, ever since then, I think that I have been more in line with divine, uh, with God, with Allah, however you define that for yourself. Um, I honor that in you because, I mean, Glennon's words, it was the first time she allowed me to see myself as godly in a way. And Jesus, you know, I'm obsessed with Jesus. Like, I <laughs> worship the guy. I am, like, full, full on. Worship. Okay. And that's because, like, 
I just feel like it makes me crazy that we're never actually talking about Jesus in the Bible. We're never talking about the actual Jesus who like walked around, like literally looking at, at his culture and asking two questions. Okay, who is power forgetting and who is religion oppressing? That's it, right? Who is power forgetting? Who is religion oppressing? And then gathering all of those people together, eating with them, walking with them, always directionally toward power, right? That's where the crew was going the whole time, right? Towards the Roman Empire, right? So, so Christianity is this, you know, vertical and horizontal of gathering all the people who are marginalized, always, and always going towards the power structure that is causing that marginalization, right? So at, you know, during that time, when Jesus asks, who is power forgetting, who is religion oppressing, it was, it was back then it was the tax collectors, right? It was the, the, um, the, the prostitutes, it was the lepers, right? Those are the people that power is pushing away, that religion is oppressing. Now, when we, use, when we use the Jesus story as a guide to the way we're supposed to be living now, and we ask ourselves those two questions, then we're gathering who is marginalized, right? We are gathering gay kids. We are gathering the Muslim people in this country. We are gathering the black kids. We are gathering the, the black, uh, overly incarcerated people. We are gathering the immigrant families at the border. We are, if we are not gathering those marginalized people, then we are not living as Jesus did in any way, shape, or form, right? And if we're not challenging constantly the power structures that are causing that marginalization, then we're not living as Jesus did. So I just, my vision of Jesus and the way the stories that he was here to teach us are, are, are different than the stories we see about what Christianity is. Jesus and Christianity, to me, can be two very different things. The, the interesting thing to me, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I think our theology is slightly different, and that's totally fine. I, I think more, I think I differ, I don't know how you feel, but in in the sense that I'm not sure I view like God in us as much as like, I, I'm a huge believer, and I've been so frustrated at the church because I feel like there is like a Christian mold that like everyone speaks the same vocab and says like, Oh, like, how's your heart? You know what I'm saying? What's on um, your heart? And so it's like, like, you know, it, it, the Bible talks about the body of Christ and I am a huge believer. Like we each need to figure out why God made us, what we're good at. Like we're, we each have talents that are God given. Right. And like that have specific uses. So I think almost like rather than, I think God in us, maybe it's like, like God, like displayed almost or like his work, but on that it's, 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 I mean, I'm just curious. It's cool because I agree with a lot of the things you're talking about, like the confidence and the sense of adventure and the, like the transparency that leads to so much good stuff. Um, I warned Andrew about this, by the way, before we started. Theological. He loves <laughs> debating well, theology and phil listen, uh, philosophy. Yeah. No, it's fine. Want, like, we have a lot of... That's all I want to do. Like, yeah. let's just yeah. do 12 hours. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. But I warned him. I was like, I think you guys could really, like, do this for a long time. So we have to be careful not to, like... But get the, point is not, the point is not the differences. I just say that because no. there's a lot of the similar fruit, you could say, from our different theologies, I, I mean, which is... I think that I think, one thing that one thing that Glennon taught me early on in our relationship is the beauty of language, right? Something mm -hmm. that I say, so a word that I use might not relate to you in any yeah. way, 
and one of Glennon's genius, a, a, a trait of Glennon's that makes her genius is that she can speak anybody's language, yeah. right? And <laughs> yes. you're all good at that, Glennon. What you mean when you're saying God, and and it might be a little bit of a perspective shift. You mm-hmm. you might say my theology is a little bit different. I have a different, but like. Yeah. From the root of it all, mm-hmm. I think Same what you're thing. saying is such similar Same stuff. Right. Like right. if you were to get right. down to the <laughs> this, this, this isn't the BS of Christianity, right? I'm like God in me, and you're like, no, it's God revealed in me. Like, like we could go to war over that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. saying well, the same thing. It's and so then we've had these conversations so many times, and again, we could go down a rabbit hole. I have so many other things that I want to ask you guys. Um, but we've also, we've had this conversation so many times about just religion in general, how mm-hmm. everybody interprets every, the same book so differently and makes their own rules and their own molds. And they say, you have to do this and you can't do that. And they all contradict each other. And they all say, if you do this, you're going to hell. But the next religion says you can do it and you're fine. <laughs> and it makes, it makes no sense to me because Yes, we we argue this. All, let not me, like let me, we're always let me on the same page. Apologize for but. throwing this in. <laughs> I, I, I am sorry, but he's like, oh no. I am curious. I wonder if there's any tension, at Abby, from your athletic background. Glenn and I understand you're a new fan of sports, and you've, you've <laughs> the sport, <laughs> the sports, the sports. <laughs> so, but but as athletes. We're constantly taught like uh, self-imposed suffering lead like the importance of that. Right. And like denying maybe what we feel like those desires are, you know what I'm saying? Like whether it's waking up at 4 a.m. as opposed to sleeping in or like the the diet, the, all of it. Glennon, your book is like it's all about following your desires. And I wonder how you guys have meshed that. Well, okay, I would argue with okay. you, friend, <laughs> that it is about following desire, but I think it's really important to talk about what kind of desires I'm talking about. It's about yeah. our deepest, truest desires. So like the way that I, when people often, you know, who pigeonhole me as like Eve, I for one believe Eve was framed but that's fine I like I am the um Eve that's dragging people to like follow their desires like that's one way of looking at it but I also think that we have a way of looking at desire which is looking at surface desires so for example if a woman comes to me and says we can't all just follow our desire like you know i want to have a bottle of malibu a night like should i just follow that desire and i'm like okay that's not the kind of desire i'm talking about so so let's talk about what's inside that want okay what does the bottle of malibu represent for you because in a capitalist culture we can get back to jesus on that in a second in a capitalist culture what capitalism's job is, is to figure out what the deepest desires are of human beings and then attach that to their products and then sell the products, right? Mm-hmm. So what people are selling to us is our own deepest desires. We just don't know that. So what does the bottle of Malibu represent for you? What it represents is a break. 
-hmm. right? What it represents is deep rest. Mm -hmm. What it represents is stop performing and check out. Mm -hmm. Like what it represents is get off the hamster wheel, close down your mind, like rest, deep, deep, deep rest. Okay. So when I talk about following desire, I'm not talking about let's all go get wasted and do all of the things that like whatever the hell are, you know, little, I'm talking about the desire beneath the desire. This is something that Jesus talks about all the time, right? Like I'm talking about like, um, the deepest, deepest desires of human beings, which are to be seen, to be loved, to deeply love, to serve, to be free. You know, all of these kinds of desires that actually mm -hmm. we were meant to, uh, in life and life to the fullest, to have met and to help other people meet. Yes. So when I just, I, I want to be careful about that when you say it's about following your desires, because mm -hmm. on one Christian spin of that, is like, oh, she's just out here like freaking Armageddon is next with what she's telling people to do. And then the other part when you actually read the book is that when I followed my deepest desires, what happened is this army of uh, warriors was unleashed all over the earth that has become one of the leading um, uh, groups in reuniting families at the border and serving re refugees in Syria and like, when people meet their deepest desires, they are freed in wild and amazing ways, which is all of what Jesus was talking about. And I think just to go back to like the, the whole point of that question, the difference between my athletic career and this drive. Oh, yeah, sports. We're talking about yeah. sports. Well, sports. <laughs> and like the drive that I had and how, how do we connect, right? Like one thing that I've learned in my retirement from Glennon actually um, is this the difference between internal motivation and external motivation. So most of my athletic career, I was externally motivated, right? I was motivated by um, wanting to win gold medals, by financial gain, by um, awards, by coaches, you know, praise. I mean, praise. I was motivated by praise. It's a very big <laughs> personality trait of mine. And then when all that stuff went away, I had to have to, I had to like, dig deep inside of myself to try to figure out what that was about because that's like so ego driven right so for me what I've learned is that this internal motivation the stuff that I've been working on over the past four or five years since I retired not only is it much more fruitful and fulfilling but it's actually more in line with God because, and I'm not saying this because I think God is in me or God is outside. <laughs> I just think that when I'm doing something true to who I am, it will be in line with the world. It has to be in line with the world service. and, and yeah. service. Um, and, and, and there is this crossover between spirituality and athletics or spirituality and statistics and spirituality because if we can find our truest and deepest and most true and beautiful life that we can possibly live and we live it out, I do think that the, you know, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of heaven does come down to earth on some level. Good. Something, um, something I think you both talk about a lot separately and in the same conversations is identity. Glenn, I think you talk about it a lot in your book. Abby, you've talked about it with sports and just in your book as well. Um, I know from my personal experience with elite athletics, my identity was wrapped up in whatever the world wanted to tell me I was. Mm -hmm. I was just the gymnast. I was just the medal. 
nothing else. They told me what I could wear, how I could talk, how I could act, who I should hang out with, all of it. Mm. Glennon, you've talked a lot about the identity that you got caught up in with your husband and the church and even going as far as like eating disorders and having an image tied to it. I'm curious how your relationship has helped that working through both identities and like world stigmas, because I know one of the greatest things to ever happen to me was finding Andrew because I was wrapped up in an identity that I didn't know how to get out of. And he saw something different when the doors were closed and I could kind of let that guard down. And he helped me kind of heal through that and become, you know, who I was. And I'm curious if you guys have, gone through that together or healed outside of it and I don't know like flourished each other's it's a good, good question love that. look at you Andrew good job <laughs> Stop. that feels so familiar to me yeah I think that you know I'll, I can only speak for myself but in terms of identity you know I had a whole life before I met Glennon um did pretty good. <laughs> you did, you did okay. <laughs> I, was a, I was a pretty, I was a pretty alcoholic. I won some, I won some gold medals. I liked to party way too much. Um, and I actually met Glennon one month into my sobriety. Um, Glennon at that point had been 14 or 15 years sober herself. And, um, you know, it was more like when we met, it was more like a rec a recognizing, like a, yeah. a remembering of something that I had lost in myself long ago. And I didn't have this language until she wrote Untamed, but and watching her actually go through getting untamed or untaming herself, um, you know, you could imagine what our relationship could look like behind closed doors in terms of being two women who are very introspective, very philosophical, spiritual, and seekers, and mystics. And like, sober, so we have nothing else to do. So we just talk <laughs> all the time about any feeling that comes up. Like, it's the stereotypical, like, what you what you imagine, that is us. Like, two women, it is yeah. what you can bet is happening in, in our house. We had a half an hour conversation the other night about whether I got sad enough when she was sad. Like that's what the entire conversation. Like that's a really interesting. This is conversation, the conversations yeah. I wish she would have with me. Um, yeah, that's what I'm not sure. Sean. I'm not sure. You think you want it until you find yourself 40 minutes into defending yourself for whether or not you're sad enough when the person's sad. Like it's just a lot. Yeah. Uh. Um. I mean, I think I just relate to what you said deeply, Sean, which is just like this person. Like sometimes it just feels as if all of life is a stage <laughs> mm -hmm. and then there's this person that you can just be backstage with oh that's good you know mm -hmm. that is finally that person that you that sees the act and 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 i think the act which is identity is what we do because we think it is what will make people love us mm -hmm. and sometimes it does mm -hmm. you know or usually it's probably not love, it's admiration, which is a different mm -hmm. thing. But then when you find the person who loves you when you stop the act, that's when you found your person. Well, 
similar to, again, your past, and I mean, a lot of people's past, I feel like a lot of people make the mistake of they find someone who likes the act or loves it. They marry that person and then they get tired of it. They get tired of performing. And when their performance, you know, goes away, they're left with like, oh, I don't know who you are and this isn't going to work. Instead of just finding someone from the beginning that appreciates who you are, like you said, backstage. Yeah, I think that just to to add to that too, one of the things that we always challenge each other on is this external idea of identity. What has the world been trying to tell me who to be and how to be and what to say and why to say it, Um, not just for me as a woman, but also for me as a former pro athlete, um, for me now as a parent, as a uh, quote unquote step parent, we call me a bonus parent. Like there are so many roles that we step into as humans. Glennon also calls them costumes that we put on um, that aren't really what we want in terms of the way that it's been portrayed to us, right? So we're always constantly evaluating whether or not the identity or the costume or the thing that we've stepped into is what we want it to be uh, based on what we want, right? So if Glennon wants to wear five inch heels because that makes her feel good about her, then I am all for it. But like, is that really true that it's what she wants to like limp around all night as the 511 woman who has never been vertically challenged a day in her life right well this is what i'm saying like let it be let it come from you and the identity that you want to have as a person so you know and it's and it's so cool you guys will get this when drew gets a little bit older but like as as your kid starts to develop their own identity like we've got a kid who Sometimes she wants to put nails on and do makeup and also go out and like kick butt on the soccer field. And wear a suit one day. And wear a suit one day. And like the next day she's dressed up in like total glam. It's like, I mean, it's mind blowing, but for us, we have to always constantly challenge ourselves and our kids like, what is identity? What identity do you want? What, what, what fits and what doesn't? And then you have to figure out what parts you're resisting with your kids. Mm -hmm. Like, so you guys, our daughter, for instance, jumped, like she wears suits for a week and Abby's like, oh my God, this is so awesome. She's expressing herself. <laughs> she is a free spirit. She is expressing herself. And then two weeks later, she comes out of the bed- bathroom with eyeliner on and nails. And, and, Abby's, like, and Abby's like, this is pop. We need to talk Lennon about what Lennon is doing. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute. She's one step away from goth. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Suits expressing herself, but Nails is is like she's about to become a felon. Like, I feel like maybe we are are bringing our own idea of what freedom is to the child. And that's where partnership is really good at being the mirror. Right. Right. Well, that's... That's my biggest fear with our daughter is the world already is like, oh, if you have a girl, she's going to be a gymnast. If you have a boy, he's going to be a football player. And the world's already painting their identity for them, which is makes me furious. How do you teach a kid from day one 
to be their own human being. Okay. This is so good. I so, love okay. it. <laughs> this is it. This they is got it. Here's the game plan. Okay. <laughs> Just all get them to be themselves. Yep. Right? Just get them to be themselves. And just have their whole life be a conversation and have and have parenting them be like the treasure hunt and not like the expectation list. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I remember a couple years ago, oh, I put this in in Untamed. So Tish came home and she was like, Mom, Chase wants me to be in all of these nerdy high school clubs (laughs) and I don't want to be in these clubs. And I said, well, Tish, then just don't be in the clubs. Like, what's the problem? And she said, well, I don't want to disappoint him. And I said, okay, child, listen to me. <laughs> your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as it takes so that you never disappoint yourself, right? And she said, even you? <laughs> and I said, especially me, right? Because mm-hmm. no matter, I mean, listen, as you do, we know some of the biggest badass activists, athletes, actors in the whole world, and they can be doing the most amazing things. And at the end of the day, they are still trying to impress their parents, oh, right? For sure. Their parents can have been dead for 20 years and they are still <laughs> living every day to earn the fake approval of parents, right? That's like the biggest conditioning. We, we have to raise kids who we have trained not to not disappoint us, but to not abandon themselves, right? Because every little being that comes into this world has his or her or their own path, right? Mm-hmm. Own own um, relationship with the God that made them, yeah. right? And, and I think what happens is that parents step in and become these fake gods, mm-hmm. right? That, that the child is looking at us, mm-hmm for who to become and what to say and how to act and blah, blah, blah. And that becomes their cage as opposed to a direct, the direct, there is no middleman between your child and their maker, right? And so however you would teach them to look towards that maker instead of us is what we have to do. You would call it something else. I would call it like uncovering the deepest part of you, which I believe is God, right? So the idea is to step out of the space of conditioning and expectation right so that they're living their whole lives is this gonna please mom yeah i mean we listen drew will take her cues she's a girl right i just want to be clear (laughs) yes our goddaughter her name is drew also so i just you never know sorry we already had that like a ton though which is hysterical is everyone's like oh drew it's a boy i was like no she's a girl no it's a girl we get it so good um you know you Drew is going to learn from y'all in the way that you respond to her. If she ever gets into gymnastics or if she ever gets into football, if it's available for, for um, Drew when she gets older. But like at the end of the day, I mean, Tish, like the other day she said, like under her breath out loud, I don't know if I want to play college soccer. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't want to disappoint you. And I was like, Titch, I don't care what you do. It mm-hmm. matters not to me. The last time we spoke about this, which was like a year ago, you wanted to play college soccer. So I'm going to help you do that. If, you, if that's what you want, if that's what you say you want, I'll help you. But like, I'm not going to push you. This is all on you. You get mm-hmm. to, you have to be the one that motivates mm-hmm. yourself. There's going to be no like 
I'm, there's, there's, there's no disappointment. What's the thing that you and Liz Gilbert say to each other? Oh, I'm not subject to disappointment. Yeah. Like they get to live their own life and they're going to have some ups and downs. We're going to be stability people for them. Like if you need us, we're here, but you have to go out and figure it out on your own. And that comes at a certain age too. How old is Drew? Nine months old. Oh, shoot. Okay. She's not ready yet to totally do this on her own. I'm sorry, you two. You're going you're gonna to have to stay in there a little longer. But you get to this point. You do get to this point where you switch your role as a parent. It's like if you're climbing a mountain together for, for, for a very long time, you're the guide, mm-hmm. right? You're like, they're following you. You're the guide. You're telling them every little thing. And then suddenly you're like the Sherpa. You're, you're like, just give me your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm following you, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm here, and I'm I'm holding your stuff, and it's I'm good. like, it's not easy to make that transition no, for some but people, though. No, it's not when you're a control freak, and you know <laughs> that's for everyone. She <laughs> <laughs> likes to be the guy. I I am, I am every day more and more uh, amazed at how humbling being a parent is. I mean, mm-hmm. Glenn, you said in your book, like you, your goal is not to save them. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to watch them save yourself. And like, mm-hmm. that means so, so much, even in our baby phase where it's like, man, we want to be all like, we want to be hands on, even though she's kind of learned how to walk and like, she's bump, she has two little bruises oh on her gosh. face right now. And it's brutal, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> like, you just have to remind yourself like it has to be like this. I feel like she has mm-hmm. to have some bumps and bruises along the way or else she'll probably have the exact oh, same bruise Andrew. for a while. They usually <laughs> fall in the same exact spot uh, or whatever. Oh, and then Andrew, and then they get bigger. And like, that's, I just think if you just keep that visual of your, of your, your whole life of Drew with the little bruises on her head and that that is proof, not that you're doing it wrong, but that you're doing it right. That yeah. you're giving her enough freedom. It's so to, like, hard. Oh, oh my God! Wait till <laughs> teenagers. Wait till she's a teenager, and the bruises are on her little heart. I I suddenly, can't. I I just want to wrap her in bubble wrap, and yeah. and you suddenly realize that your little Jesus loving heart actually wants to commit homicide. <laughs> everyone <laughs> who has ever hurt her, like it's uh, just. Oh. It's a hey. journey. Well, I know our time is coming to a close. I'm I'm sitting here trying to think about who's better at what is, is it Abby better at soccer or is it Glennon <laughs> better at words and stories? It's like, this is, this has just been really, really fun. You guys to, uh, both have so, so much incredible wisdom for everyone to learn. And I'm, we are just honored to be talking to you guys and please keep doing what you're doing. Cause I want Drew to grow up to like, just follow you guys and be a fraction of what you guys are. Well, I think it's so cool that you guys are doing this Me and too. a couple things. Podcast is awesome. I mean, Sean, I have been such a fan of yours. I'm so happy for y'all that Drew is in your life. I mean, maybe not during COVID. Like I think that's maybe <laughs> crazy making, but I know that you've probably made some really awesome memories and it's just the beginning. Drew is going to be so great. We are here for you. Um, whenever she gets older, if, she, if you guys don't want to put her in gymnastics or American football, the other football is all possible. <laughs> oh, I'm or rooting poetry. for soccer. Or yes. poetry. Less poetry. bruises. Poetry would so, be amazing. Side note, Glennon, that is how I won Sean's heart was, was he poetry. He wrote me poetry. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah so anyway. I know. Hey. <laughs> and I want to tell you that my favorite thing about your, your social media, which is I think is an, it's, it's just the way, how you, how much you love each other is clear. Yeah. And when you said, you know, your social media is like the cute, annoying things that your partner does. <laughs> the whole thing about that is when we see that, we think, oh, he took that video and he thinks she's as precious as she is. Like there's, you can see how much you, you, you can see how you see each other. Yeah which is a really beautiful thing. So thank you for being you. And um, Andrew, call me anytime you want to argue about Jesus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, well, um, I, I love the conversation. We're grateful for your yes. uh, for your time. Congratulations and on both, or congratulations are in order for both your books. Please, everybody go get them. Yes. Oh my gosh. Check out Untamed and Worth Wolfpack. Glenn and Abby, we'll talk later. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way, you'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.